Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, Razorback fans? Welcome to the Friday HTP Show. I'm Ty Hudson, and on behalf of everyone here at the HTP, thanks for downloading and listening to our show. We hope you enjoy. If you did, feel free to rate and review the podcast. Woo, pig suey, go hogs. Yeah, I just thought, uh, you know, the, the focus uh, last couple days, phenomenal. Uh, you know, we talked over and over about trying to get off to a good start. Uh, obviously, Ethan Henderson's energy on the glass was phenomenal tonight. And, uh, you know, Mason and, and Isaiah's ability to draw free throws attempted. And, and again, that, that defending the three-point line becomes so important for us. And we did another great job of, of taking away the three ball tonight. I, you know, I, I told the team in the locker room, like, you know, to lose five games in a row, and, and, and to be shorthanded and to lose some of them the way we did, meaning a, a basket, a loose ball, um, a, a free throw. You know, we, we were so close in, 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 in several of those games. And uh, look, they've competed every night. Uh, we had a bad game at Tennessee. Um, and we had a bad, bad stretch at Florida. But every team in the country, you can name every team in the country, has a bad game. going on Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere. Welcome to episode 70, my God in heaven, of the Hog Talk podcast. This We are knocking these podcasts out, but here we are, 70 podcast episodes so far with the HTP. Alongside me, Kyle Sutherland, my man, how you doing? I am doing much better than fans that did not have an SEC alternate channel last night. Man, was that? Did it not seem like an entire half before we got to actually watch the game? That was that was ridiculous. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I was on um, Luke Never Shaves on Twitch. I was trying to watch it there, and uh, he managed. He must have a lot of access to all the ESPN channels because it doesn't ever seem like when there's a switch like that he has an issue. Thank God for you, Luke Never Shaves. You are the man. You are you are doing God's work. Thank you, sir. But yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? What, what did uh, so? I guess we can just start there with basketball. What uh, what was your takeaway from this rematch against Tennessee? What was something that stood out the most to you? I know what we're all. I know what the audience is thinking. It's the most no duh thing to talk about with Isaiah Joe. But what else besides? I guess besides Isaiah Joe, what else stood out to you about that game? Because it was an interesting one. Yeah, I was the main thing that I was really looking for. Of course, they they shared the ball really well. The Desi Sills had a great game. Of course, Mason Jones was Mason Jones, but Santiago Vescovi he killed us in game one. Sure did. And with Isaiah Joe on the floor, then Witt was able to focus mainly on him. He only finishes with six points. I think he had two in the first half. So the fact that they're able to share the ball and Mason Jones does what he's been doing. I think what was that his seventh game this year that he's had thirty plus. Yeah. He's had a couple of those where we've lost, 
because he's been the main guy pretty much all that we had. And then you, you think about what Ethan Henderson did. Now, he only had two points, but he was awesome in the paint. Nine rebounds, may have had a lot of – had a lot of disruption of, of teams of the players trying to drive the paint. I mean, that was by far his best game in a Razorback uniform. Got 30 minutes in the start. I think with him at the four and Adrio at the five, those two on the on the court together and Ethan not being just the only big man, that's that's a result for success. And if this team stays healthy, you know, we talked about last week that it's their their NCAA tournament hopes are still pretty much on life support. It's looking a little bit better now. But man, I just I cannot say never with the way that Eric Musselman has just done such a great job when he's got the pieces that he needs. And this is what I'm trying to explain to people. Uh, and, and my dad's a really good example of this. He does not, he just doesn't even care about the NITs. And I'm trying to explain that this is not where they were supposed to be. They weren't supposed to be 18 and 10 going into this, uh, going into this Georgia game at this point in time of the year. They're supposed to be like lucky to be anywhere. I don't know to, to be this far ahead. I, I I don't remember what Jacob had them at, and I don't believe Porter had a preseason pick. I had them between before the regular season started at 14 to 15 wins. Most of the national media, preseason magazines, and local media also did not have them in postseason play. And here we are. They just squashed, and it's not exactly a great Tennessee team. I, I get that. But they squashed these guys A6-69. And I think you, we can all argue here that they're two, three, four games away from making the NCAA tournament. And if you make the NITs, if you do fall short of the NCAA tournament, to me the NITs, that's a victory. In my opinion, for Eric Musselman, when you consider all the, the weaknesses that he inherited with this team, I think it's a win if, if you do have to settle for the NITs. Yeah, if you get to the postseason, no doubt. Now, I'm not going to say, what was the uh, the other, was it the CBI that goes NCAA tournament, NIT, and I think it's the CBI. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily consider that a success. Because, yeah. You know, that's, yeah it's, the NIT is still pretty decent. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't care about it. But, I mean, you know, you get if you make it to the Final Four in the championship game, you get to play at Madison Square Garden. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I've, we've said it time and time again that just what he's been able to do is just phenomenal. And I think that with Isaiah Joe's return too, we we talked about how tired this team looked. And now against Tennessee the first time, that was just I, I just think they didn't really want to be there. And I, I I'm never going to say that this team doesn't doesn't give full effort because that's what we've seen all year. But it just seemed that that I don't know maybe uninterested is a good word, but it was just it was bad all around. They couldn't shoot. Tennessee was on fire. But, man, I had him at around the 17 to 18 wins, and I'm thinking at this point, I was texting Blake Lovell last night from this Locked On SEC podcast that we had on last week, and we are talking about the, the remainder of their schedule, and I was telling him that I think that we're going to beat Georgia, we're going to beat LSU. It's not looking great right now. I know A&M lost to Kentucky the other night at home, but they've been playing really well, the, the Aggies. And I think that we probably go to A&M, lose that game, so you finish off 2-1. and one. And then you win an. I think they'll win an SEC game, SEC tournament game as well. So they, I, I'm I'm calling that. And if that happens, if you lose one game, I guess in your next four, I think they're in. Yeah, I I think, and I agree because part of the thing is too. Uh, I I thought well, 21 might be enough if you have the wins. You know, if you have the. Uh, 
you know the strength of schedule and if and, and you know we know all about the net rankings and how they do the quad or the uh, the quadrant wins and everything I, if you have enough of a resume that maybe 21 I don't know now because Lenardi uh, I I didn't get a chance to see his most recent updated bracket but the last I saw was he only had four teams out of the SEC in his NCAA bracket has that been is that still accurate or is it they they've got us. I believe it's us and South Carolina, which they had a big win against Georgia last. The one that we had to watch uh, until that overtime yeah. game was done. Uh, that was actually a really good one. I just wished it would have been a little shorter. But they, I, I think it's South Carolina and us that is in the last four out. So yeah. we're definitely back back in the picture. But it's yeah, there's going to be a, a lot to happen. And the good thing about that is. As much as sports and just across the board is a what have you done for me lately type thing, yeah. the good thing about the NCAA tournament is they look at the overall picture. So they're, they're going to take into consideration that this team is eight, as, as it stands right now, this team is 18 and five with Isaiah Joe, 0 and five without. Yep. So that's something that they're going to really consider. Was, and, it, was it 0 and five or was it 1 and, one and 4? Because didn't they, they, they beat TCU without Isaiah Joe, didn't they? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So he he didn't play against TCU, and, and then he played against Alabama, but it was only for like five or ten minutes, and he didn't score a single point. Yeah, and limited. then after that was when I believe that the five games started with Adam. So basically after the Alabama game where he did see minutes, mm-hmm. they went 0-5. Yeah. And yeah. so that's something that the NCAA tournament committee will be taking into consideration of, okay, this, this Razorback team is just completely different, not just from – the 16 points per game that he averages just overall. Like I was saying, it, Jimmy Witt is a totally different player with him, with him on the floor. Mason Jones obviously just has more help. Man, I mean, what is, I don't think we talk about enough what a story that is. I mean, this kid, 270 pound high schooler from DeSoto, Texas, doesn't get any kind of offers. We've talked about the great season that he's had, but I just don't, I don't think people appreciate his story enough, just what he's overcome, man. I mean, it has been an unreal season for him. And I think he's played well enough to be SEC player of the year. He's not going to get it. No. But just just to overcome what he has is just phenomenal. Seven 30-point games and uh, how many 40-point? Was it two 40-point games? Uh, yeah, Tulsa and Auburn, and there might have been one more. This is a this is a question for Jacob. Yeah, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I, I know I know he had Tulsa and Auburn. I think those are the only two, the only two forty point ones. It's but yeah, seven thirty points, man. It's that's ridiculous. that's just crazy. It's crazy, and when you consider again, yeah, he's having to log a lot of minutes, and someone will say, well, that's why he's getting. You know, he's he's a. Uh, someone on Twitter a while back had complained that he was a ball hog. As soon as he got the ball, you know, he'd just take the shot. And, and I'm like, well, first off, that's not entirely true. And secondly, who cares if you're scoring? My God, it's like when people complained about, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, um, about him taking all his shots with the Lakers. Now he's taking too many shots. And we had that whole the duality of Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe and whose team is it and blah, blah, blah. I don't give a damn. And, and now I'm a Celtics fan, as a lot of our audience knows. I hate the Lakers, but... Uh, you have that, you do have that point of view that's been taken from some, and I've noticed since he, since he's on the short list for for player of the year, I've noticed that has completely gone away on social media. Now people are just happy that someone's able to do it when, especially whenever uh, Isaiah Joe isn't on the floor. But now Isaiah Joe's back, and it's just uh, they're a different team with Isaiah Joe. But uh, Mason Jones should absolutely be on everybody's shortlist right now for player of the year. He won't get it, like you said, but uh, 
My God, the kind of year that guy's had is unbelievable. And I've said this I, a little while back. I thought he had one of the biggest transformations of any player between him and Bailey coming in from last year to this year. And uh, I'll agree that Bailey's transformation as far as a defensive player has been phenomenal. But, my God, Mason Jones has probably played himself into the NBA draft. I, I, we weren't talking about that last year. He has played himself possibly into the NBA draft. I think that's going to be a realistic option for Mason Jones. We know it is for Isaiah Joe. And this is this is what I want to ask you. I, we had talked about this a little while back, that the worst-case scenario for people who want Isaiah Joe to come back, and we all obviously want him back. If you want to get to the tournament, the only way you do that is with Isaiah Joe. It, it, what are the odds that this ends up? His his since since he's back we're two and zero right he's jacking up threes left and right he's he's a he's a hell of a defender out on the perimeter especially without getting into foul trouble what are the odds now if if Arkansas makes the tournament and it's because of Isaiah Joe's production that he bolts for the NBA and is is it kind of you go back to the argument we had a little while back it could actually be long-term not a good thing you know, when it comes to next year and trying to build that team next year. So do you, do you think, based on what we've seen out of Isaiah Joe, the possibility of him going to the pros? If they do make a run, like let's just say they win one or two games in the SEC tournament and then shock the world and maybe get an NCAA win in the round of 64, I think that it's a possibility he could go. I definitely do think that I personally don't know that he's quite ready in terms of his all-around game. I mean, yeah, obviously, kid's an incredible shooter. I don't. I I think he does maybe need one more year. I'm far from an NBA scout or anything like that. Yeah. But you never know. If he gets the right advice, you never know what could happen. I mean, Daniel Gafford was a second-round pick. Of course, should have been a first-rounder probably, but he's doing pretty well this year. So, I mean, even if you're a second-rounder, you can still still go get paid and uh, and get plenty of opportunity, and that's something too. You know, you it's easy for us as adults, you know, and we're in our thirties and we're thinking about it. Like, you know, uh, well, I know you're you're coming up on your thirties. You're getting there. I just hit thirty. Yeah, you just hit there. That's right. Happy birthday, my God! That was over the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was February 9th, so oh, it was a couple weeks. Oh ago. my God! I'm way. <laughs> <laughs> You told me happy birthday though, so I did. I'll okay, all right. I I am I'm really bad about that, <laughs> but we look back and we think, why would you want to go pro if you're not in the first round? Think about being 19, 20 years old and the opportunity to play at the next level. And oh yeah, you know, by the way, you're going to get paid. Like, I think some people have a hard time understanding that and. But I'm with you. I do think he needs another year. I think he needs another year to uh, to develop his game a little bit. But he is absolutely a hell of a shooter. He can hit it from anywhere on the floor, and he's a pretty good defender out on the perimeter. Uh, and something else that he just doesn't get enough credit for the guy can the guy can take the charge. He forces fouls on both ends of the court, and it is a thing of beauty to watch. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Like you, you, if someone charges the lane or tries to drive the lane, and he happens to be standing in their path, that's going to be an offensive foul. And it's it's brilliant. I mean, that's a, that's a really hard thing to do. There are guys that are still trying to figure that out in the NBA. Now, granted, they're a different body type, but still. Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones have been uh, just phenomenal this year. I really hope they both come back. I, and I, I think it is a realistic possibility that if they go on this run, if they're successful, well, I mean, we've seen what happens without Isaiah Joe. If you're being successful, it's definitely because of Isaiah Joe. 
Uh, I really hope that at least one of those guys come back. But Isaiah Joe is the glue. We thought it was wit, and I do think that it is wit. His again that mid range jumper. He's a, he's also another one of those guys that's really good as a def, as a defender. Uh, but there's no doubt now that we've seen more time without him on the floor. Isaiah Joe, that is just how exposed Arkansas is on on both ends of the court. But let's go into these numbers really quick against Tennessee. Arkansas wins this bad boy, eighty six to sixty nine. Uh, Tennessee shot 44% from the floor, 23.5% from three-point range. They went 4 of 17. Once again, Arkansas's elite perimeter defense um, did its job. And then these guys, Tennessee shot 17 to 27 at the free throw line, which puts them at 63%. Uh, Their leading score was, of course, Bowden at 19. Uh, Viscovi, like you mentioned, six points. Six points against Arkansas. Yeah, a hell of a lot better performance when you've got Isaiah Joe on the floor. Arkansas, 48% from the floor. Oh, my goodness, that's pretty damn good. You're hard to beat when you're shooting like that. Anybody is. Home or or on the road or neutral site, that's ridiculous. 25 of 52 shooting there. They were 9 of 23 at three-point range, so that puts them at 39%. And, again, free throw, uh, they're they're doing better at the free throw line. 81, almost 82% there. 27 of 33, and, of course, the leading scorer, Mason Jones, I think Jacob likes him. I'm not really sure, uh, but 37 <laughs> points for him, 22 for Isaiah Joe. Witt, who um, got six points, didn't have a super great night, but, hey, he had a couple steals, four assists, six rebounds. That's not too bad. He only turned the ball over uh, one time. Uh, Tennessee ended up turning the ball over a total of 12 to Arkansas, seven. And like you said, I'm really glad you brought up Ethan Henderson. That – was un- I'll tell you what was unexpected for me from him. That was the most minutes he logged all year. He got 30 minutes. I think the second Played most minutes game, was yeah. 10. So mm-hmm. that was pretty spectacular. Going forward, is he is he the guy? They're going to start him over over Chaney and Silla? I think this lineup that you, you got to go with what's hot. What was I understand that Tennessee started to make a run in the second half and a little I guess a little bit there at the the end of the first. But with how hot they started, and like I said, I really like Adrio at the five. I know it's crazy because Adrio's playing the five most of the year at six, 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 seven, whatever he yeah. is. <laughs> Not that tall, let's just say that. Yeah. But I really like him at the five, like like Henderson at the four. I, I think with this lineup that they had starting off, man, you you've got to got to stay with it. I mean, that's one of the hottest that they've started off all year. Yeah. So definitely, you'd hope that. We see more that this is the the player that we recruited Henderson to be. I think he in some polls he was a four star coming out of Parkview, and mm-hmm. so I, I want to say he came in at the same time or maybe a year year after Khalil uh, Khalil Garland. I think they came in at the same time, but man, he that's exactly what we've been needing to see from him. He's got the size. I know he's kind of a beanpole, but he's got that height that we need and. I'm fine with him having a Dennis Rodman game and having oh, yeah. 10 to 15 rebounds and no points. That's yes. cool. That's what we needed. He had four offensive rebounds. We don't see that, that really ever. Ever. To have, for just one player to have. We don't see many, many offensive rebounds at all, but for one player to have four, uh, you definitely have to stick with this lineup going at least as long as it stays hot. I bet you average. I bet the Hogs from start to finish, I bet they're lucky to average four four offensive rebounds a game. I, I mean, they oh, have, sure. Terrible. Their offensive rebounding. And a lot of teams, it's not like that's uncommon to struggle in the offensive rebounding game, but Arkansas has been really bad at it. And they're already one of the worst rebounding teams in the country. And for him to come in and do what he did, yeah, and he's, he's, I've, I've heard he's a tall 6'8. 
at about 215 pounds. But for him to come in as a sophomore, and I mean, how many people, incl- I, I'm guilty of this, had kind of written him off. Like, okay, I, I guess Ethan's just going to you know, end up being happy with maybe getting a minute a game if he's lucky. You know, I, I had written him off, and I know a lot of fans had to as well, just based on social media and, and even some family members of mine talking around the old thanks or the uh, Christmas dinner, the dinner table. We're all talking about Ethan Henderson, about what the hell is going on with this kid. He was highly regarded out of high school. Yeah, I think he was. I thought he was a unanimous four star, maybe not, but he was highly regarded out of high school. We've all kind of been waiting on this. On this type of performance, I I like you. I am absolutely okay with him getting. He could average, I don't care, two, three, four points a game. But if he's going to get, what do you have? Two blocks, four offensive rebounds. I mean, you know, he, he he attacked the boards. It was one of the reasons why Cheney, according to Musselman, it's why he didn't get as much playing time. It's why he only logged eight minutes because he's not going after the rebounds. Henderson does. The downside of Henderson. It's been, and Cheney does this too, and so does Scylla actually. As soon as they get on the floor, they foul. Foul, foul, foul. Like, bang, bang, bang. That's usually how it's been with Ethan Henderson and Cheney. Henderson logged 30 minutes, only had three fouls. Bailey did foul out. He had two points. Uh, Henderson with two, and like I said, Witt with, uh, with six. But moving on to uh, the rest of the year, someone had asked in our Discord, about uh, how they split up the rest of this season on this uh, 2019-2020 schedule. Georgia, LSU, and A&M are left for the, for the men's basketball team, 18-10. and 10. Kyle, last three games, do you want to give a prediction or do you just want to give a – what's your take here for these last three? What do you think they end up doing? I, that's what I was saying earlier. I, I think they – now Georgia is not a very good team, but they – they play much better at home, like a lot of teams. But Anthony Edwards, I think just about everybody's got him as the number one pick. He had a really good game against South Carolina. Freshman. He's just a phenomenal player. So anytime he's on the floor, of course, you can't ever count them out. But I think they, I think they go to Georgia and win. They beat LSU at home on Senior Night, and I'm going to say that I'm going to say they're going to go to A and M, and they're not going to win that game. A and M oh, again right. is yeah, one, you did say one of the hottest yeah. teams in the SEC. Buzz Williams has done an incredible job there. In my opinion, if they so they lost to Kentucky, I think if they win at least two of their final three games, that he should be the SEC coach of the year. Really? Uh, the reason I say that is just I, I say that because they were projected in most polls to be twelfth, the twelfth or thirteenth uh, team one, once the season is over yeah. in the SEC. Yeah. And right now, I want to say they're like fifth or sixth. So they're if they win their last two, uh, I definitely think that that they should probably. I've actually got it here. They are right now. Actually, they they did drop a little bit because uh, they they lost the other night. But if they if they win their final two and they finish in, uh, ten and eight in the SEC, I think that he should at least get strong consideration. I've got into an argument with someone about that the other day. It's kind of a hot take, but he really has done a great job there of turning around once they got into SEC play. I, I don't. I I'm gonna. Add, I don't know. Um, if they went out, I could maybe see that. And I'm with you though. A and M was picked to be really bad. They were picked like last on most polls, but Arkansas was picked near the bottom too. Eleventh uh, and twelfth on most preseason mags that I read. Uh, if you finish out the year, that puts you at nine and nine um, with twenty twenty uh, eighteen nineteen twenty one wins. Good lord, math. Um, no, if 20, they win out. If Arkansas 19, wins 20, out, 20, 21, 21, 21, that's it. 
Yeah. If, if, if they went out, I think Musselman does. Of course, at many points this season, he was getting consideration about that. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know if I'd – again, I'll say over and over again that this, they have overachieved, no question, even at this point. Yeah. I think even when they were on their losing streak, they had overachieved at that point. But if they went out, then I, I'll put him back in, the, in my in my personal conversation. I just don't have him there right now. Yeah, I, I, and I don't think it happens. I don't think they win out. But if they if they go on some sort of crazy run, they win the next three, and then they go into the SEC tournament, uh, and they snatch a couple, then I think it'd be his to lose at that point. I mean, Arkansas was again. We've we've talked about it already, and we talk about it on every show when we talk about the Hogs. They were picked. So damn low, no size, no roster, no no depth on that roster. A lot of uh, a lot of you know you had you did have Wit come back, who was a former you know he's he's a, he, he's played at other places and he's he, he was here. Uh, you had Mason Jones, Isaiah Joe back. You had working pieces, but you just lost Daniel Gafford. You had no size again, no depth, and on top of all that, a new coach trying to implement his system. I I. He had a lot of negatives working against him, and for him to have them in this position is just so incredible. And then if you tack on winning out and then doing something in the SEC tournament, I think it'd be his to lose at that point. But obviously it'd it'd have to depend on what Auburn's doing because I think we can all agree Bruce Pearl probably will end up being Bruce Pearl, at least in my opinion. Um, I thought for a while there maybe – Calipari was going to get Kentucky completely turned around. Not that they're bad. I mean, they're twenty three and five, thirteen and two in conference play. And if if they end up doing what they always do, as far as making a good run in the SEC tournament, you know, Calipari's name will be on that list as well. I I just I don't want him to win SEC Coach of the Year so bad. He's such a scumball. I, I don't want Calipari to win this Dadgum Award. I don't want him even nominated. We know he will be. I cannot stand him. He's well, and he does he does exactly what he's supposed to do. I'm not taking anything away from what he has done his entire career there, but when you're when you're projected to like in the preseason, when they say you're going to finish number one, if they already call it, then you're doing exactly what you what you're supposed to do. So I think that it definitely should go to like an Eric Musselman type that has done better. Or I'm, yeah. I'm not, again, I I don't have him there right now. I'm just making an example. Right. Or a Buzz Williams, or yeah, Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl lost a good bit last year. He's He's won without Isaac Okoro, his best guard. He he said the best defensive guard he's ever coached. Yeah. So you think about that. So I, I would I would probably yeah I, that's a guy that I haven't really been mentioning that I I probably should is Bruce Pearl. He's done a really good job for what he's lost. Of course, Auburn was a Final Four team last year. But yeah, it's Calipari's doing exactly what he was supposed to do. And again, I'm not taking anything away from it. Yeah. It's just I, I don't understand. But it's- you know. Ducky's got the brand, so they do. They have the brand. They win games. You know they're going to make a run in the SEC tournament. I'll be surprised if they get an early exit. They're going to do exactly like you said. They're going to do exactly what they're supposed to do. And he's going to probably end up, probably end up getting it. Would be I. I don't know. Then again, who knows? That's you know Bruce Pearl, uh, and and I. I could even see you know as much as I hate LSU, you could see LSU doing something special because they are kind of built for tournament play. I could see them winning out and then going to the SEC tournament and doing something special. And then him, his cheating ass. He's a cheater. We all know it. He got busted. And this bitch still has a job. Oh, sorry. Family segment. I'm sorry. Potty mouth. Earmuffs, kids. Earmuffs. Uncle Ty is going off about Will Wade. I can't stand Will Wade either. Cheaters, man. These guys are cheaters. They're scumbags. But I, man, oh, man. The Arkansas... 
It'd be so special for for Musselman to have. I mean, look at this. He's had right now. He actually caught up to uh, Mike Anderson's year one. Mike Anderson year one. If I remember right, he he won eighteen games. Did he not? Was it eighteen and? Yeah, I mean, Mike's never. Well, it's in danger this year. St. John's is not having a good season. Up to this point, he has never had a losing season. I think his worst one was fifth. It was the year after Bobby Portis and Michael Qualls left. So I guess 15, 16 was his worst year. And he just got, I think it was like 18 and 16, just a couple games over 500. Mm -hmm. But I want to say he was around that range. I don't think he quite got to 20 his first year. It was like 18 or 19, but he got most of those wins in non-con. Well, we know that, you know, it's, it's rare for Arkansas to have a first year coach come in any coach. Cause Mike Anderson year one, we knew wasn't going to be great. Palfrey, a little bit different story. Uh, and he recruited well. I'll give him. Yeah, that. he was left with some pretty damn good options there, and and uh, but this was I don't know. This is a hell of a run. I'm just uh, it's it's still kind of blown me away how well they've played and, and how well he manages these guys, and he just gets the absolute most out of out of everybody. Um, and and again, Ethan Henderson, all of a sudden, you know. Like I said, we'd all written him off, and now I'm thinking. I, I was just talking to my, I was talking to someone earlier about this. I'm like, man, now I hope he doesn't leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the future's bright for Arkansas, either way you look at it. So uh, obviously, we wish the best for Mike. I, I definitely wasn't somebody that was like rooting for him to go, but I knew it had to be done, and I got called a racist and everything else on YouTube for that, but. I don't care. I, it was the right move, and we're seeing that now, especially with what Musselman's been able to do. Moving on really quick, and this will be the last little bit here. Um, well, first little recruiting update. Arkansas has offered a three-star outside linebacker, and, of course, I can't get his dadgum profile to pull up. Here it is. Uh, Jabril McNeil, six foot four, 225-pound outside linebacker out of Raleigh, North Carolina. He's a part of the 2021 class at Sanderson High School. Yeah, 6'4", about 225, uh, 24-7 sports has him rated the top 530 player in the country, top 40 overall outside linebacker. His offers include Appalachian State, Arkansas, NC State, Oklahoma State, and uh, uh, South Carolina along with Tennessee and Virginia Tech and West Virginia and Liberty. So he's got a total of uh, eight offers on the table right now along with some other schools that are interested so that's really all the recruiting news that we have uh, for Fraserback football at the moment. This will start to heat up. I'm really excited about spring football. Uh, April 25th, Kyle, are you going to be able to? Are you going to come to Fayetteville? Are you going to be? Able I'm to make- really working on it. I, I I'm saying it's probably about a 95 percent chance at this point, but I am really working on making that happen. I will drive to Texas and drag your ass up here. And that's hey, if you want to do that, I'm I'm there, man. You want to drive? You want to make the eight hour trek down here and uh, eight hours back, man? I'm cool with it. And and give me a plane ticket back. <laughs> it's gonna be pretty cool. We're gonna try and get something orchestrated with the uh, Hog Talk and P- PTN people. We're gonna we're gonna try and figure something out. I think Porter had mentioned a uh, booth or a, a tailgate or something. We're gonna have to get something figured out because that's gonna be really cool. I'm not gonna lie, I'm super stoked. This thing's in Fayetteville. Razor Fest is really cool. I don't know their official plans for that. I don't know if they're going to – I imagine it's going to be business as usual, just that it's going to be in Fayetteville with Razor Fest, which usually starts like at like 9 a.m. or starts pretty early last I remember. I never actually go to Razor Fest. I only ever go to the, the uh, scrimmages. I don't think I've – I think I've missed one scrimmage in probably, God, I don't know, 
I mean, it's been since the Houston Nut era since I've missed a spring scrimmage. You know, being in Fayetteville, living in Fayetteville, it's easy access. So really happy that's back in Fayetteville. I know we have listeners in South Arkansas and Southeast, you know, down in the down in the Delta and so on and so forth. I, I it sucks. I know you guys are really excited about that, but um, it's it's in Fayetteville, and I know uh, local businesses are excited about it, and uh, yours truly is very <laughs> excited about it. Um, all right, baseball. This will be the last part of the show, and all my baseball tabs are uh, closed out. Arkansas is going to do this Shriners. Uh, the the Shriners Shriners Hospital for Children's College Classic. There it is. I finally can say it without. I can remember it without actually looking at it. I have to. I don't have it. I thought I had it pulled up here, but I guess I don't. Uh, so Arkansas is going to take on Oklahoma on Friday, Texas on Saturday, and then Baylor on Sunday. Kyle, what do you have for us? Because I know you've done. Uh, you've already written an article on this. What uh, what do you have for us? What what happens here with Arkansas? What do you think? Yeah, definitely go check out uh, the, on our website, thehogtalk.net. I did a breakdown of each game. kind of talks about each team's key players and some of the ones that are doing great, good for Oklahoma, Texas, and Baylor. A lot of good insight on that. I, I like our chances. So they they got Cole Ramage on the mound Sunday. It's right now pretty much the, the only thing that we really have in question now Gonzaga was a good – I think that was a quality opponent. Eastern Illinois, not really so much. Yeah. But then again, Mississippi State lost to Owen 9 Texas Southern the other night. Baseball is a funny sport. It is. But going into this, uh, Oklahoma's going to – I haven't seen officially, but I imagine it's going to be Cade Cavelli that's going to be put their, their ace that's going to be pitching against us on uh, Friday. So I really – I don't know. I haven't seen anything about who Texas and Baylor are going to throw, but – Texas is kind of one of those teams in a similar position as us in that they are undefeated. Now, they're not ranked, but they are undefeated, and their pitchers have done really well. I believe their combined ERA is under two at this point. Yeah, But they haven't really had anybody separate themselves from the pack at the plate. I think they have like seven or eight home runs, and it's all like one home run per player just about, it seems, in their rotation. So they really haven't – they haven't really – taking that next step at the plate, whereas Arkansas has obviously been super hot at the plate, haven't scored less than five runs in every game they've played. Well, we got to figure out kind of where we're at in pitching. We, we sort of know where we're at with Nolan. He's going to be our Friday guy. Wicklander's going to be our Saturday guy. Is Ramage going to step up? He didn't play very well last Thursday against Gonzaga. He came in for a little bit of relief on Sunday in game four. But who is it? Is it going to be Caleb Bolden? Obviously, Blake Adams still has a lot, of, a little bit of. He's pretty green right now. He's got a great future ahead of him, but he's just not quite ready to be the starter. It seems just at least through one game. But that's where we're at right now. Really, is we're going to find out a lot about this team. We're playing three quality opponents. OU is ranked, so we're going to find out a lot about ourselves. I guess at this point, after the weekend, we'll be ten games into the season. So it's it's really. Good big test. Of course, it's it's three SEC teams versus three Big Twelve. Of course, I mentioned Texas, Baylor, and OU, and then we've got Arkansas, LSU, and Missouri for the SEC. Man, oh. I, I wish I could go to Houston for that. It's going to be great. You can get like a total package for all the games for like fifty bucks. That's a good deal. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be some good baseball, man, at, at a great stadium. I'm not not too high on the Astros right now, but Minute Maid Park <laughs> is is a gorgeous. It's a gorgeous ballpark, man, and I I wish I could be there, but. Did- one of those things, did but they, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm I'm definitely gonna make sure I stream all the games. Did uh did they steal your sign? Is that what is that your beef with the Astros? They steal your <laughs> You know, 
everybody cheats. I agree with that. I know we've had some uh, people get a little upset about this in our Discord, some of the Astros fans. But, uh, man, you know, I, I think a lot of it dates back to – we're both Cardinals fans. you remember back in 2013 with that whole thing about – us getting in trouble about the computers and the yeah. stealing and all that stuff. Yeah, I remember well, that. Well, <laughs> Astros fans are, uh, they're not saying much about that anymore. It's funny, no. but it's one of those deals. But yeah, I, I mean, Minute Maid is, a, it's a gorgeous, one of the, I guess, five baseball stadiums I've been to, baseball parks I've been to, whatever you want to call it. And it, it's it's an awesome place. It really is. I, I, I went to the old Astrodome uh, years ago, uh, you know, my... Uh, we were down in Houston. My mom had had chemotherapy down there, and so my dad and I, you know, we're big, you know, we're baseball fans. We want to catch a game, and I don't remember who the hell they were playing. I was like five or six. You know, I remember going in that Astro Dome and being just blown away at at that the eighth dome. wonder of the world. Yeah, it was something special, man. I I can say I actually got to, of course, I got to go to Old Bush Stadium before they tore that down, and uh, been to New Bush Stadium, and I think I think those are the only. Obviously, you know, major league. Now, minor league, uh, I, I guess only the Naturals, the only minor league stadium. And I've only ever caught – they used to do these Thirsty Thursdays, hence the name of the, <laughs> the PTN podcast, Thirsty Thursdays. Uh, but they do these Thirsty Thursdays like dollar beer nights at, uh, at the Naturals uh, at their ballpark down the road here from my house. And that's – I tell you, that's a nice stadium. But it's really nice knowing that not only do we have that up here, but, of course, Bomb Stadium. One of the nicest facilities, one of the nicest stadiums in all of college baseball. It's just we're spoiled up here in NWA. I'm not going to lie about it. I get you know we catch some heat. You know if we if we brag about that on social media, and by we I mean anybody that lives up here. If we brag about that, we're going to catch some heat from Central Arkansas and and uh, you know people from around Mississippi the state. state fans don't like it either. Oh, they hate it, don't they? Oh my <laughs> God. They do have a nice park too. I will give them that. I've never been, but I know they have a really nice park as well. I've seen the pictures. They're 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 yeah okay whatever. It's not bomb, but it's nice. <laughs> it's not bomb. You're damn right. Okay, uh, I think that's gonna do it. I, if if there's anything that I missed, I apologize. I think we got it all. Kyle, is there anything else you want to add, buddy? I think we covered it, man. Uh, of course, as we're recording, the softball team is playing. Porter is there covering that. Uh, we're I know that. The Hog Talk is is one of, if not the only ones that are really covering softball right now. So he's been really uh, doing a great job doing that. Of course, you can check out his coverage of that on our website as well. Again, it is thehogtalk.net, and the girls play tonight, too, in a big game against Mississippi State. Speaking of them, uh, really, really good squad there that they have for years, hmm. that they have had for years. So yeah. a, lot of, a lot of good stuff going on the next couple of days. Discord, Discord did have a question. I, I didn't uh... – I didn't answer the or ask these. Kelly wants to know how many wins do you think baseball in baseball this weekend? So how many wins odds in each of the remaining basketball games? We covered that, and uh, same for ladies basketball. I'm not going to answer the ladies, you know, because they got a tough one coming up. Their last game actually Sunday, uh, which Porter and I will be at. Uh, we answered Devin's question already about how does Arkansas split last three. But Kyle, what what do you think? I guess just. I don't, did you answer her question already about the, the baseball? How well do you think they do? I think they'll – I don't know that they'll sweep. When they played this, I want to say it was 2016. I think we started off 5-0 and and then ended up – that was Van Horn's worst year, the only one that we did make the postseason. Yeah. I believe they played in this and went 3-0 and for the weekend. I'm not so sure we're going to do that. I know 
I know that I would probably go with, if I was a betting man, I'd say we, we win two at least. It might be good to lose a game at this point, just kind of not that, not that they're cocky or anything, but sometimes lose it. Even Dave Van Horn has said it multiple times that it, it's good to lose one here and there just oh, to kind yeah. of get your, get your poise back and all that. So, but like I said, we're, we're going to find out a lot this yeah. week. Hopefully figure out who's going to be consistent with our, and, and our relieving. And especially we've, we've got to figure out who that Sunday starter is. We really don't need one of those types of seasons like we had. And I guess it was 2000, what was it 2017 or actually, uh, 2018, whenever Isaiah Campbell, uh, he, you know, he, Came back really good, and 2019 was dominant. But 2018, he was just a little bit shaky, and he would go out and he would have a great day, and then he would have a really bad day. You want to try to stay away from that. And yeah. you've got two solid guys in, in Connor Nolan and Patrick Wicklander, and so we just really need to find that day three starter for the weekend. People need to remember that. Isaiah Campbell, uh, I, God, he couldn't go. Remember, he couldn't go five innings. You were concerned if he could even make it that yeah. far. And then – Look at what he did. His turnaround to 2019 was incredible. Dave Van Horn said it was one of the biggest he'd ever seen. So just keep that in mind, especially with this bullpen that they have. These guys might have a rough year, but that doesn't mean Dave Van Horn and his staff can't uh, right the ship with some of these guys. And then uh, Alex or it's AJ Strecker, but uh, Alex wants to know when will Arkansas, if ever, be in a final four, be a Final Four contender, and is must the man to get us there? Boy, that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> Only time will tell. I really like what Must has done so far. But then again, he, he really doesn't have – he's got a ton of coaching experience. He doesn't have a lot of college coaching experience. No, but no. I, I'll tell you what, I think we're in a really good spot. It's really – when Porter and I recorded a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about one of the things that he has whenever he goes into a living room is he's like, look, I've been in NBA draft rooms. I've, I've been in the G League. Mm-hmm. I've been overseas. He, he's, he's coached at pretty much every level. And coach with some, some pretty pretty well known coaches, or at least been around them. And yep. so he's got that he's got that in his back pocket that, to make sure that these kids know. Look, I can get you to the NBA. I know what it takes. We've never had that at Arkansas basketball. No. Not with a coach with that kind of with that resume with the NBA. We've never had that. Not that I, I not that I can no, recall. We it's incredible. So that is a hell of a weapon to have into a young man's front room, uh, living room. And when you're talking to his parents, the guy eats, breathes, and sleeps basketball. His his IQ is through the roof. I know you could say that probably about 70%, 80% of coaches in college basketball, they know their sport, but I don't know what it is. Musselman just he, – he doesn't quit it, man. It's, it's 24-7. I almost kind of feel bad for his family a little bit because I'm sure he's just a nutcase around the house nothing, watching nothing but film and, and everything else. Uh, okay, I th- yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you, Alex. That's a that's a loaded question. But if if anyone, if there was a better option out there for Arkansas that fits what they're doing, it's easy to say because hindsight's you know twenty twenty. And right now, obviously, Musselman looks like he's the guy. But I don't know if there's anyone more qualified. You know, like I just mentioned about his background in the NBA and the G leagues and everything he's done. Uh, you know, so I, I I don't know of anyone who'd be better uh, would be a better option to get Arkansas there to the promised land. I I don't know. I'm not the type of guy to say, oh yeah, they're going to get to the Final Four. I'm not that kind of guy, but I definitely think he's going to get us further than where Mike Anderson got us in eight years. I'll tell you that right now. I do think that. I think he'll get us beyond the second round of the NCAA tournament. When I don't know. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe soon. Maybe sooner than we realize. Okay, that's it. Thank you guys so much. Remember to uh, give us some star power on iTunes. 
Give us a rating. We'd appreciate it. A lot of you already have. And uh, God bless you for downloading and listening. We do appreciate it. On behalf of the Hog Talk Podcast, Kyle, you're awesome as always. Shout out to Jacob and Porter. Porter, who's up here busting his ass, getting all this work done, going to all these games. Uh, Man, I couldn't work with a better group of guys. Really awesome to work with every one of these guys and doing what we do, trying to perfect our craft. So until the next episode, Woo Pink Suey, we'll see you around. With spring on the way and home improvements to slay, Corey Hyman and Hyman Services are ready for the task at hand to prepare your home for the coming season. They offer all kinds of handyman work, including home building, mowing, weed eating, edging, yard, or business clean-off or haul-off, landscaping, power washing, home remodeling, and gardening. You name it, Corey does it. If you're in the Northwest Arkansas area and need that done, give them a call today at 479-347-9336. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.